and welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our lead pastor, Graham Heslop, both empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you for your anointing to come and rest upon me and rest upon those who are about to hear your Word. May it be as though you spoke. May it be as though you are speaking. May you speak into the hearts and the lives of every single person that it may go out and multiply many times over, Lord God, in a fruitful harvest. Thank you for the power of your Word that sets us free. Thank you for the power of the Word that brings salvation. Thank you for the power of your Word that brings faith. I speak faith into this atmosphere right now to believe in things that though we can't see, we can attain. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. Amen. All right, I want to speak to you today. One of the longest titles that I've used in a long time. Every three months or so, I like to do a long title. It just keeps you appreciative of the short titles. And so I want to just bring, bring a title of a message as we carry on with the Practicing the Way message. It goes like this, What kind of God commands Sabbath and what kind of people need it? That's the title of today's message. What kind of God commands the Sabbath and what kind of people need it? I'm going to read our scripture out of Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, I'm not sure if it is on the screens or not, but it just goes like this. Therefore, since the promise of entering God's rest still stands, let us be careful that none of us should be found fallen short of it. This is a New Testament scripture, and it's really important to understand. And it needs good exegesis, actually. Verse 6 says, Therefore this rest it still remains for some to enter this rest. And since those who formerly had good news proclaimed to them, speaking about the children of Israel, did not go into this rest, and that was known as a promised land, God's abundant provision for them, some were not able to go into it because of their own disobedience. Some versions say uh, unbelief. And so there's a, there's a bit of work you can do as you study God's Word there in that Word. Verse 7, God again said a certain day, calling it today. This is as though uh, this He did when a long time later He spoke through David in the passage already quoted, today if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. That's what the people did. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not spoken about another day, later about another day. Verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is really good stuff. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one in the New Testament, New Covenant, yes, in, in hearing the Word of God since Jesus, will perish by following the same example of the, of the people of Israel of their disobedience. So what kind of God commands Sabbath and what kind of people needed it? Um, to understand that, you, you do need to con- comprehend that rest is a really serious thing. Rest is a really big thing. How many of you here uh, know someone or are someone who shouldn't go without sleep? Anyone know anyone or is someone that should not go Yeah, I see some hands. Okay. I married a person who is the opposite of a person that should not go without sleep. Rebecca seems to operate for 11.6 months of the year. I'm just putting, making a number up. But let's just say 11 months of the year. She doesn't go to sleep before midnight and she's the first one up. And then when she wakes up, it is though a computer program has started. There's no warming up to life. 
There's no adjusting. And this may seem like it's really, really good. But for me, it's been a cross that I've had to bear. Because she looks at me and just thinks I'm a complete loser. No, no, she, no, she doesn't. She, <laughs> she looks at me and thinks, what is wrong with this human being? Because I'm, I need sleep. Um, I can go for um, moments of time if I've got to get up early, I've got to do long working hours. I'm okay with that. But my feelings, they, when I don't get sleep, my feelings make the book of Revelation look like a bedtime story for children. That's just how I feel, you know. I just, like, I need the sleep. And now science is siding with me, which is really good. Uh, Rebecca doesn't appreciate it yet. Uh, but they, they, I read an article the other day that said this basically was titled Short Sleep, Short Life. <laughs> That's the new science out on it, is that we are actually created to not only sleep, but we're also created to rest. So is that what the author of Hebrews is getting at? Is he, is he saying that, hey, you know, your life and your body and your quality of life, well, I'm sure there's parallels, no doubt about it. But this rest was actually a completely different kind of rest. This is, he's talking about a spiritual rest. He's talking about a rest for our souls. And this is good to be reminded of that actually, that this rest, it's one of the reasons why we tire so much is because there's a lot within us that is not often at peace. It's also a good time in the message to remind everybody listening and participating in this, even though you're not talking, you will be talking to yourself. You'll be like, hurry up. Uh, you'll be like, why did he wear such light-coloured pants? Who does that anymore? Uh, there's many things you'll be saying to yourself. Why can't he shave? It looks ridiculous. Anyway, calm down. Um, I would like to say that uh, the concept of Sabbath, right, we don't, and I don't know if we could ever now really appreciate it, given the fact that most of us have grown up or lived in New Zealand. New Zealand is a young nation. It, it's mainly, its roots mainly from Scottish and British. People who have come from that part of the world uh, have, have come in. So we do not have a high yield of Jewish culture like many other nations do, just in its sort of undercurrent. And that's sort of important because we think Sabbath is just a day off. That's what we think Sabbath is. Or if you grew up either when I did or before, do you remember all the shops being shut on Sundays? Do you remember like what you'd do on Sunday was you didn't go to the Kmart, you know, the devil's playground, you didn't go there. Um, you went for a drive with your family. And why did you do that? Because there's no TV, well, there was TV, but nothing good on. There was no internet. <clears throat> and you'd go collecting rocks or sticks what, were we dogs? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, we're a family of dogs. So um, there, were, there were no shops though. And, and now Sabbath, I think the best Kiwi version of a Sabbath, if you think about, oh yeah, I'm doing a Sabbath, it's like um, a day off, a day off that you can go shopping, <laughs> a day off that you could do odd jobs around the house that you can't do because you're working. Uh, Sabbath would be you could go to Bunnings. Why you'd ever choose that over Mighty Team Bigger, I do not know. But, you know, um, <laughs> Aaron has their favourite. Uh, but th the Sabbath that New Zealanders understand is not like a Jewish Sabbath. Sabbath is actually a weekly celebration which is observed religiously in Jewish culture known as Shabbat. That's actually what it is. And it begins, listen to it, on a Friday at dinner time, evening, dinner time. And it goes right through to Saturday dinner time. In Jewish custom, that means stopping all work, and this is a really key point, together. 
So you know the practice we talked about in practicing the way because we're taking three years to talk about what it means to follow Jesus. That's what we're doing. Two to three years. I see I'm extending it now. It's quite good. Uh, Silence and solitude, that's easy to practice if you're arguing with your spouse. That's, I like, that's a great practice. Like, I'm like, no, I'm not talking to you, so I'm practicing silence and solitude. But Sabbath is not actually a solitude um, endeavor, ironically. Together, we stop. So, so it means you don't do the lawns, ladies. It's an equal opportunity world. I've just got to, you know, I've just got to keep adapting. What you'd do is you'd light a candle, which is symbolic of the faithful love of God that never goes out, And that remains on for all of Sabbath. And then you eat together, lots of food. You would read scripture together. You would talk about the faithfulness of God to Israel, to releasing the people of God uh, from slavery, from wherever you are in the story. You'd pray together. And then you would play a board game. You might sing. You might make love. Um, Just a side note that you'd want to make love to your spouse It just needs unpacking. But this is in Jewish culture. This was a distinctive. And it's observed every single week and religiously upheld. Now, what's even more insightful is the word Shabbat. It, I've lost you on make love, eh? You're so stuck. You're gone. You're like, this guy shouldn't be a preacher. Well, you should rip out all of the book of Song of Songs then, all of it. Okay, Shabbat actually means, this is what it means, the Jewish word. You're going to be blown away. It actually means to stop. It, Sabbath actually means stop. And I know that you don't like this message because nothing stops you. <laughs> nothing at all. Even if you're going through a family crisis, you keep going. You won't stop, can't stop, nothing's going to stop me now. It's a song. And that's really big challenge in 2022, stopping. Because as soon as you stop, you've got alerts to look, at, look for. You've got a, a like here, a like there, a message there. Whoa, did you see what's happening in the news? Paul Johnston and I were talking about this. It's a beautiful concept. Most of the news that if we did not live without digital, if we lived without digital and stuff and those things, half of it would get weeded out because it's not interesting, not important, not going to change your world. So if you lived in a time like the 30s and 40s, only the most important stuff would get to you because the rest would be too hard to message you. But now you're getting things like woman's cat diagnosed with a liver condition missed five times at local SPCA. And you're like, this is an atrocity. (laughs) This world is melting down. Now, (laughs) the cat, you know, we need to get into the biblical reason why it got a liver condition. God probably sent it, but whatever, you know, when I, like, like there is a fundamental issue with that. But stopping is stopping, and that's what Sabbath means. But it means a second thing, and you're going to love this. Not only stop, but Shabbat actually means to delight. Jewish translation of the word Sabbath is to stop and to delight. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting mental images here, but I do, and it's a Fiji. It's like God's commanding you to do a soul Fiji. He's, he's not just telling you to stop and to, 
eat humble worms, you know, eat worms from the garden. He's like, like, he's, he's like stop, and I want you to delight. <laughs> That's really weird. And I want you to do it for 24 hours a week. I want you to stop and delight for one day out of your seven. Shabbat, everyone. Well, we obviously don't live in a Jewish culture, do we? So none of you are going to do this. But what gets really interesting is the consequences for the Jewish people if they did not stop and delight. In Exodus 31, it says, The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, You've got to observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and for you and the generations to come so that you may know, intimately know, that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do not do any work on that day, uh, those who do any work, excuse me, on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a stop and delight rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does not do whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant, and it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. This is the quotation. For in six days, God says, I made the heavens and the earth, didn't I? I'm paraphrasing. And on the seventh, it says he rested and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed with the finger of God. Now remember to stop. Now, I'm, I'm really, really fascinated that God would say, look, here's, here's what you have to do, Moses, if you want to know what, what living as my people looks like. That's what this is about. And they were his people, but they weren't living as his people. And he's like, so I, I must insist for 24 hours you stop from the toil and the hardship and the work. And remember too, they were about to go into Egypt. Uh, or they're, Sorry, they'd just come out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt, but they're about to go into the desert. So, you know, what sort of God is it that says, and I need you to delight, so enjoy this life for one day a week. But if you don't, death. <laughs> that is some serious stuff. Like, that is heavy duty. Uh, anyone glad they're not under the law, but under grace through Jesus Christ? You would have died like years ago. What kind of God, though, says that? What kind of God commands a Sabbath? The part that is really fascinating to me is in verse 16 of that chapter that they're going to observe celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting agreement, it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. Uh, and what's it a sign of? Two things, but this one here, about me, the Lord, not me, but the Lord, who makes the heavens and the earth and rested and was refreshed. Have you ever considered that God needed to rest? Needed? Have you ever considered that God needed to be refreshed? Most of us think of him as an um, AI robot. No, he needed to. John Mark Comer in this book, and this, if you really want to study this from an emotional and a sociological point of view, this is an incredibly uh, good read around Sabbath. He said in here that while theologically the Seventh-day Adventist movement and faith is quite different from a 
um, really a mainstream Pentecostal charismatic uh, belief, what couldn't be ignored is statistically Seventh-day Adventists, on average, live 10 years longer than a Christian counterpart. Their lifespan is 10 years longer on average because they've built so much religiosity around you have to do a Sabbath every single week. So much so that you're no longer part of that. It's pretty tough to be part of the community if you don't do that. But I think what God's saying here is bigger than Seventh-day Adventists. I think that it's actually, he's saying, look, you want to know who I am. I work hard, I create hard, I build universes, but I know when to stop. It's actually really, really vital, even before the law of Moses came in, in Genesis, it said that by the seventh day, God had finished the work of his doing. He'd created the heavens and the earth, animals, he created man, he created so much. And then God said on the seventh day, he rested, Genesis 2, from all his work, and then God blessed the seventh day. He made the seventh day holy. So loaded into this 24-hour period is a blessing, is a holiness. Okay, so this is more than just good practice. This is more than just you're going to have better sleep and you know you just have your sleep app working. This is what it means to be like God. To be like God in the DNA of God is creativity and rest. It's not just work, 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 work. He knows how to stop. In Asian countries, only in recent years, they had to create a word called karoshi. This word in Japan particularly, it's a Japanese word, but they've got a counterpart in North, South Korea and China. It was needed because people were starting to die at work. It was translates the word karoshi, that word means to overwork to death. It's translated. They didn't have a word for it. They had to make up the word because what happened was if you were found asleep at your desk, it was actually a badge of honour. And the reason is they'd never go to sleep for laziness. They went to sleep because they overworked themselves. One man was so devoted to his work that he was working 18-hour days. He did it endlessly as soon as he left high school because he wanted to be an honourable man in the culture. One day, a work colleague goes up to ask him a question. He didn't respond. He was slumped over his desk. He died at his desk. The autopsy revealed his heart simply gave up. His body was completely stressed, and he was 37 years old. And the thing is, given the right cultural circumstance, and given the right rewards even, you and me will do the same. If we were given all that we wanted and all the riches in the world and all the power and all the fame and all the whatever, all the justice, whatever spins your wheels, we will forfeit what? Holiness, character, fruit of good living, fruit of the Spirit. We will forfeit all. And God says, as much as you can work and as much as you could create, if you do not stop, you ready for this? You are not like me. The, the sure sign that you are not becoming more and more like Jesus is you can't stop. When you can't stop, you are not becoming like him.
And it's not just that. It's not just to stop. It's also the inability to delight. The inability to feel. That we become numb. Numb to the joy. Numb to all that God's given us. We can't appreciate. So... All that stuff, the lifestyle stuff, absolutely. And the character of God's stuff, to become like him is to become a person who can stop and delight. But also, guys, there was something else going on behind all this. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you will know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Exodus 31, 13. So one of the things that um, I had to come to terms with really quickly when I first came into full-time ministry, when I started working at the church and became a youth pastor, and it was a big shock to me because aspects of my world were not sheltered, but other aspects were. were. But one of the things that I had to come to, to terms with really quickly was that not everyone who seemed spiritual was actually spiritual. In church, I was shocked as a young minister that the people who knew the Bible really well and who could say, praise the Lord, brother, who could even at times say really Christian things, after a period of time, it worked, it worked out, it just blew my mind, their relationships were dysfunctional. Their minds were a mess. They'd gossip about, gossip about you as fast as anyone on Neighbours or Shortland Street. Like, I just, I, it blew my mind because I ascertained as a young person Sounding spiritual must have meant you were spiritual. But in the kingdom of God, this is not how Jesus operates. As you are becoming more and more like Jesus, you are not necessarily sounding more and more like a prune. What does that sound like? Is that a thing? Looking like a prune, I'm not sure. Just because, in other words, just because you do holy things doesn't mean you're becoming holy. What, what God said to Moses here is this. This Sabbath rest, this this stop and delight is going to be a sign that I'm the one who makes you holy. What does that mean? One minister said this, holiness is the pursuit of unselfing ourselves. Holiness is the pursuit of unselfing ourselves. What does that mean? It means that me and my flesh and myself are giving way for the Spirit for the love of God and for the person of God. How did Ezekiel see it? He said this, again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, the people of Israel are living in their own land, but they've defiled it with their own actions. I judged them according to their conduct in their actions. These people are my people, but they, he, he said, Isaiah said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are so far from me. But then Ezekiel says, God comes up and says something new. Don't worry. I'm going to take you out of the nations. I'm going to gather you from all the countries. And I'm going to bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. And I will help you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws and live in the land that I gave your ancestors. And I will be your God. So did that happen? This is, don't get distracted, this is the most important part of the whole message. Did that happen? Did God start giving people a new heart? Did God start giving out His Spirit unsparingly? Yes, He did. When did that happen? As soon as Jesus came, died on the cross, became one sacrifice for all, 
He gave man a new heart. By His Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts, liberally, even among those who hadn't become holy on their own terms and rights, but by grace, Jesus was making unholy man holy in His sight. Unrighteous people, righteous again in His sight. How? By grace, as a gift, by the work of His cross, by anyone who would believe, meaning what? Sabbath, doing, stopping and delighting, points to a greater Sabbath, where all of your striving, all of your unholiness, all of your lack of righteousness comes to an end and becomes holy, becomes righteous, and now you can stop and find your rest. Anyone remember this? Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and I am humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What about John 19 when Jesus was on the cross knowing that everything had now been finished so the scripture could be fulfilled? So all the scriptures I've been talking about this morning, read you a lot of scripture, is all going to be fulfilled, Jesus said. I am thirsty. So they lifted a jar of wine vinegar, they soaked a sponge in it, and they put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. What happened next? He's on the cross. When he received the drink, Jesus said, What? It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. God says to us through Sabbath, stop because I make you holy. God says, stop and delight because this was not of yourselves. God says, stop and delight because this is what I've been doing this whole time is making you a people with a new heart and a new spirit who are clean and right before me. And this is the randomest thing. If you think about exegeting these scriptures, doing proper theology on them, every time we stop and delight, God is making us holy. Even though He has made us holy at the cross, it is a work of sanctification. What does sanctifying mean? It means the process of actually in our character and in our nature, catching you up with what has been fully completed in Christ. You're fully a son and daughter. You're fully forgiven. I mean, just think about this. Anything that you've done, any shortcoming, any, any point in your life where you know it's not holy, not righteous, where self has got in the way, Jesus says, says I'm, I will forgive you. I'll remember your sins no more. But there are some things in us that might have got us to that point that actually need sanctifying. There's a lot of people who attend a lot of good services, but they don't get sanctified. They don't do that deeper work of letting the flesh, God really deal with the flesh, letting the Holy Spirit in. Well, what if you had a 24-hour period where you stopped, where you celebrated the King, where you celebrated His sacrifice? Can you envision that it would make you holy? It would sanctify you? Yes, of course you can imagine that. Because doctors, even doctors give out medical notes now for rest. 
you need this long off work, you need this, go do some exercise, go get a gym. Why do you not think God, where you just for 24 hours celebrated in the goodness of God, it would, how would it not begin to change the internal part of who you are? God's inviting you to a Fiji on the inside and that makes you holy. Mike flip and drop. He could have made you do 10 Hail Marys, 300 spiritual press-ups. God could have done that. God could have just said, whatever God said, we would have done. But do you know what He said? Flip and stop. He didn't say that. He didn't say flip and. He said, stop because I finished the work through Christ. Now delight because your redemption is here. And if you do that, so maybe you're not spiritually advancing not because you don't know enough memory verses, but because you're still hell-bent on a performance culture of the world, thinking it's going to get you where you ought to be, and it's screwing up your entire inner soul, and you think, if I can just do that, do that, do that, I'll be happy. Man, I've met some very wealthy people. My brother, my brother became a very, very wealthy man, not by accident, but a couple of things that happened. Multi-millionaire. He told me, he said to me, one of the things that shocked him about now he's got a lot of wealthy friends, he said to me, I am shocked. He's actually the person who recommended me this book actually originally. But he said to me, I am shocked at the amount of wealthy people who are totally miserable. He said, one of the biggest issues is most of their marriages are screwed up. A lot of them are just addicted to cocaine because in the region he lives in, in New Zealand, that's just like coffee for the rich. And they're just, their life is a total train wreck. Their kids are a train wreck. Their relationships are a train wreck. And he said, in all honesty, it shocked him to the core. It shouldn't shock us. Because people, even in this room, maybe you're here and you're like, no, that's, that's what I'm aiming for. It's like, why? Why? God says, everything that you actually need, want, and actually require is in me. And if you do that, you're actually going to be made holy. So here's the question. What kind of God commands a Sabbath? Under the new covenant, as New Testament believers, do we have to do Sabbath? I don't think that it's, I do not think it's a legalistic issue of having to do Sabbath because Hebrews 4 tells us we should make every effort to enter this rest so that we do not drift away. But um, people in Israel, Jewish people who don't acknowledge Jesus as Messiah, they do Sabbath every week, but they don't have salvation. And then there's a lot of Christians who do have salvation, but because they don't stop, they have no rest. So I don't think Sabbath is a legalistic principle that you have to actually do, otherwise you're not saved. I think Sabbath is something that we need to relook at in our culture. Seriously need to relook at because we need to be sanctified and we actually need to be made holy. And there are some things in our lives still. So what kind of God commands Sabbath? A really good God. And a God who was pointing to Jesus all along. And a God who actually it wasn't just about those 24 hours. It was about rest for your soul. And a God who wanted to point you so much to the cross 
that every week he made you stop, delight and just wonder. And then that leads us to this last part of the question and it's quite quick, so don't fear. What kind of humans need it? And I just wrote a little list and it's actually a fairly good list. Those who have made what they do their identity. You've got to, you've got to disconnect with performance mentality so aggressively. Because as soon as you think you've done it, it sneaks back in. And I reckon a week is about right. I reckon if you wait, wait a fortnight, you miss time to stop, it will get back in again. So humans who, who attach performance to value, they need it. Second, those who don't regularly get to walk in that sanctification. What I mean is that we get bewildered, we get disappointed, we get we feel let down about our spiritual progress. We wonder why we aren't displaying more of the fruit of the Spirit, why we aren't becoming more like Jesus. I actually think this is a huge key to it. What if every week you had something, a marker? Thirdly, those who are struggling to make progress in their faith. How come? Because if you say, God, I could work with this last seventh day. I could do more. I could do my side hustle. I could do my whole brand thing. And I could do that, that, that online stuff. And he's like, well, you could. But here's the question. At the end of your life and when you work out how many days you didn't take to stop and delight, God asks you a question. Did you accomplish more than I could accomplish with that time? Is there anything I cannot do? Hey, there's lots of verses in Proverbs that a man who is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. So we're not talking about being idle. We're not talking about being lazy. What we're talking about is being addicted and thinking that God can't come through for you. So if you stop in Sabbath, that is a tangible act of faith because you're saying, God, why don't you do with one day what I couldn't do with 6,000 stacked on themselves? Open doors for me. Come and... You just, you just rearrange the entire way, I think. That's faith. Who else? For those who are weary, worn out, and restless. Let me read you this statement. I wrote it. It's quite profound. I only read it, wrote it this morning, so I haven't memorized it. Some people's problems are rooted in the fact that they are busy and bored at the same time. Sila. What a generation being so busy and bored at the same time. That's gnarly. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Finally, <laughs> those, that's fantastic, who think that God hasn't got them. And God's got you. God's got you. God has got you. So how do we do it? I would encourage you to read this book. Um, if you haven't got it, you can get it online. There's a book on Sabbath. There is also a book on... The reason we partnered um, Simplicity and Sabbath together was it's, it's one and the same thing to really actually arrange your life in that kind of way. Be ruthless. I reckon we need to be ruthless with it. But um, we're not Orthodox Jews. We're sons and daughters of Christ and we're New Zealanders. But we could stop. We could take time. We could feast and eat. could do a lot of meals together. So with your family, um, I know that John Mark Comer, they do this thing where they take all the devices and they put it in a box. Who's shutting the service down? Is it you, Donna? Come up here. We're about to finish. They get a box and they put all the phones in there 
<clears throat> and um, I'm thinking about my kids. I don't think I've raised them very well in this way. I think I've, I think I've let them down a little bit. Um, I'm, rather than acting and kind of just making changes, I'm thinking at the moment a lot about it because I'm thinking I haven't really taught them how to stop for a day a week. Um, but I do, Beck and I, we religiously treat our day off that we mostly don't do work unless it's an emergency. It's saved our marriage, it's saved our ministry. We're, we don't have people around on that day. We don't go out. We just have this one day and we have had for 20 years we've done that. Um, but we can play games together. We can not shop we cannot stress. Treat it like a vacation every seven days. If you treat it like a vacation, you're getting close to what Sabbath should be. And isn't that refreshing for your soul? Amen. I'm going to pray for you. It's been a lot of content today. Uh, but there was about a thousand times more than that. So I've done pretty well, to be honest. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Would you lift your hands in front of you? Um, if you don't do that and you're like, I'm not that kind of person, well, just do it for me. <clears throat> Sweet Holy Spirit, I welcome you into this place again to dwell, to minister in these closing moments of our gathering. Forsake not the gathering together of your people. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Master. We need your holiness. Thank you through the cross, you've made us holy. But there's still things in us that are not relenting. There's still things in us that don't give away easily. Come right now. Point them out. Show us, Lord. to preach a word Lord that seems like something that's possible but no one could do it let's pray you come and you take these words take away now anything that's not of you breathe into this people something Lord that will connect them with you rewire us from the inside out Catch us up with what you're doing by grace. Take the rhythms and the things, the idols we've put in your place, tear them down. We have adopted the culture of the world more than the culture of the kingdom. Come and transform us. Renew our minds, Lord Jesus. Let joy be our portion. Let rest come. I pray that people here would be like the richest of rich. Their souls would know you. Pray that you come and take our whole lives, take every part of us. Thank you, Jesus, again for the invitation to come unto you to receive salvation, forgiveness, a new heart, a new spirit. Pray for anyone here today, not knowing you, not having that new heart, that new spirit, that you come right now and you do that. 
that you come right now to the ones that you are tapping on the shoulder, that you're stirring their hearts, and they would know. They would know that you are God. And you would make them new, and you'd make them a different kind of human being. Still the same characteristics, but right standing. Come awash, Lord God, our lives again. Get all the culture out of it, culture of the world. Put your love in today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We trust you enjoyed this message. And if you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch. You can either visit our website or email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz. 